Hello, and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Rich Kane. Rich is a CPA. He's actually Director of Business Services for a a firm in the Chicago suburbs, and he is a QuickBooks guru. Uh, I think he's been a QuickBooks Pro Advisor for 25, 26 years now, uh, top 100 for at least six years and uh, uh, on the QuickBooks Pro Advisor side. Rich and I have a few things in common. Uh, We are both CPAs. We are both in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And we are both stroke survivors, which is going to be a theme of our discussion today. But before we get into that, Rich, welcome to the Unique CPA. Well, Randy, I wish we could be talking about a different subject today, but it's kind of important. But yeah, you're part of a club that I guess not many people really want to join, but there are people out there that unfortunately do suffer a stroke and there are a lot of survivors out there. Yeah, which is good that we have survivors. It's uh, I know you probably uh, have heard this before, but uh, you know I've hear people say, "Well, he's a stroke victim." I go, "No, no, we're survivors. <laughs> we're not victims. You know, we didn't. We we got through this." So, before we get into the stroke talk, though, I gave you a quick intro. Anything you want to expand there? I know the QuickBooks side of things I think is pretty uh, impactful and important to you. But other things, anything else you want to highlight there? Oh, I love the networking. Yep. I love meeting people whether it be in accounting phase, I'm a QuickBooks guy, I go out to parties and stuff like that. I like to talk to people and kind of get to know them. Yeah. And it's it's been it's been really good for me on that aspect. Yeah, it's and you and I actually met kind of at a party for the first time. That was at uh, our, our live podcast last August. That was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I got to meet you there. That was uh, that was great. And I and I know you specifically wanted to meet Scott Scarano there, and and you got to do that, right? I did. He was one of my idols there. You know. Yeah, he's a great guy. Scott and I are. I'm on his faculty for accounting high this year, so I'm not <laughs> sure true. what that means, but we'll find <laughs> out shortly. He's got a great sense of humor and a great way of doing things. He's just uh, great to talk, talk with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. All right. So the reason we're talking stroke today is actually yesterday was World Stroke Day, which is an important day, you know, recognizing stroke and stroke survivors and stroke awareness. And so uh, I did an episode like this about three and a half years ago where I talked to another CPA who's a stroke survivor. And we we did this in May, which is Stroke Awareness Month. And, and I've always wanted to do this around World Stroke Day too. So let's get into this. And I think the best place to start is just tell us your stroke story. You know, what happened and, and uh, how did you know, I guess, and, and the whole thing. You know how to tell a stroke story. We all do. All survivors do. All survivors do. And interesting enough, I have some family history. My father suffered a stroke, and I think he was about 68 at the time. His sister had one. He had a massive stroke. He was an attorney and practicing, and one day he had just couldn't get up and my mother rushed him to the hospital and he had suffered a stroke where he lost his speech per se, his speech, his walking capabilities. He was a real mess. So I was very familiar with the stroke side. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in my, in my forties, 
you know, I, you never think of this, you know, you thought your, you know, your dad had a stroke. All right. I got to be worried. And when I'm in my mid sixties and I was in about, I think it was about 44 years old. And to my recollection being in the Midwest, there was a snowstorm and I, it was one of those heavy, wet snows. And I was really took a lot out of me to do the shoveling. And a couple of days later, I developed a headache and I'm prone to migraines and no big deal. And, you know, you take something for it and it just doesn't seem to want to go away. All right. So then two days, three days into this, this headache is not releasing. You're starting to get concerned, you know, abnormal for you. And so you call the doctor and he prescribes something for you. And two days later, this headache is not going away. And then I wound up going to the urgent care. They had, at that time, it was first thing in the morning, you could see a doctor at your doctor's facilities. And I was there and they tried something else and they tried something else again. And I ended up back at urgent, you know, the urgent care again. There was something that was just not right. This headache was absolutely not releasing. And it was a Tuesday morning and I was had a client to see and I was, and it was also taxis and I will tell yeah, you, I was you know what that's that. like? Yep. And I'm trying so hard to put in those hours to get some of the work done. And it was in February. So it was really the start of it. And you know, you're pushing, you just can't take the time to relax because you're pushing to get your accounting work done. So I was leaving to go for a client. I needed to stop and get gas and I pull up to the tank and I try and open you know, the gas tank knob. And I'm realizing there's something wrong here. You're not opening. There's something wrong here. Something's not happening right. So I noticed, all right, I'm a little bit, I'm right by the house. And I drove home and immediately called one of my friends and she knew right away what was going on. And I was slurring my words and she says, you're, you're able to walk. She goes, open the front door. And I went and I opened the front door and I can just tell you within four minutes, the paramedics were there. Wow. Somebody who knew what was happening and was astute enough to do the exact right thing. Yep. Yep. And that's so important. Yep. And then, uh, so you got to the hospital quickly. What was that like? It was interesting. I was still had, was slurring my words, but you know, I was, you know, the funny, the paramedics walked in and I walked up to greet them. Uh-huh. <laughs> that wasn't like, Oh, you're walking here. Well, you better sit down here. Right. I'm not knowing what's going on. Yep. And my friend drives over and goes with us to the hospital. Um, it was probably my first ride in an ambulance. Hmm. <laughs> so they got me there, but they started giving me some sort of intravenous in my arm and stuff like that right away on the trip there. And it was frightening to me that oh, I will yeah. tell you, oh, I was yeah. not knowing what was going on. I couldn't talk. I could walk, but I couldn't talk. It was just so strange to me mm-hmm. and trying to communicate, you know, if my friend Susan was not with me, I would not have been able to iterate. It's a very scary feeling. And then they take you in for an MRI and that's, Hey, when you've really never been sick, you really never had a, you've, I've never had a hospital stay before, you know, yep. <laughs> like, all right. That's like, okay. 
I'm in the emergency room. But as the day started to progress on, my wording, my starting my speech started to come back, you know? Right. So I was beginning to start to talk again. And in the emergency room, you know, they're taking me for a CAT scan, uh, an MRI. I still have the intravenous in me. I got to tell you, you know, it gets crazy in an emergency room. Oh, yeah. I had a, I had a pee. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got up and there was a urinal and I walked over to the urinal to go pee. It was just my natural thing. And some nurse yells, wait, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> like, and then she gives me this thing like an egg carton to finish peeing and oh, it's like yeah. all over the place. Like, no, why don't you just let me finish peeing? Like, oh, no, you're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed right. to be laying down. And I was at a, at a hospital that didn't really wasn't a stroke center. Yep. So they didn't really explain to me what was going on, but they said, we're going to need to transfer you to a different hospital. Oh, wow. So at that point I did hear them say the words flight for life. Oh, that was scary. Get the helicopter. Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's not, <laughs> that's not good. You know, all right. Not good. But then they said, I seem to have, my vitals seemed to have regulated and I was able to take a, a private ambulance to another facility where they specialized in strokes. All right. So you got to the right place. Got to the right place. And at 1130 at night, had another CAT scan. And the first thing in the morning, they did a angiogram with me. Okay. Kind of check to see what was going on. So the neurologist came in and basically said, I had heard that someone said something like a TIA. Yep. Um, that's a, a mini stroke is what they called. And that's what they originally thought I had as well. But uh, mm -hmm. I think because your age, because I was 51 at the time, probably 44. That's just what they think. They think, okay, well, you're too young to have a stroke. Uh, and in reality, uh, you know, TAA basically leaves no damage in the brain where the stroke does leave damage in the brain. Right. And so, right. so how did they figure out it was actually a full-fledged stroke? From some of the tests that they did, the neurologist came in and said, just letting you know, you had a stroke. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Flat out, you had a stroke. So, and it was called a dissection of the carotid artery. Okay. Okay. So on my left side of my face, you know, like when you're in, when you're in a fitness class and they say, okay, get, find your carotid artery right. it was on the left side and it split. That's serious. Yep. And I believe, like I said, I got the headache two days after the shoveling of the snow. So to my thinking is it was the shoveling of the snow and putting all that pressure on that unfortunately like snapped the artery right but it wasn't in a place where they could they felt it could do surgery that it would heal on its own okay so i was very lucky with that i had to start um a blood thinner routine they put me on coumadin oh wow yeah that's that's the strong stuff that was the strong stuff and having to get regulated and get all these tests you know three times a week to check the, the levels and i'm not a guy that likes medical needles is not one of my <laughs> not one of my favorites yep you need to get used to it though at some point and that's what i did i didn't like them either but man i got poked and prodded so much uh, uh needles don't mean anything anymore to me <laughs> which is i guess a good thing right so i was in the hospital for like three days and they sent me on home being on coumadin and a regimen and i do recall hearing a swishing sound in my ears, a thumping sound in my ears. 
Mm-hmm. And I was a little concerned. That, that frightened me as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, after, and I'm assuming, and we're probably jumping ahead a little bit, but after the stroke, every single little thing you feel in your body you think is about to be another stroke, at least for me. And I, I see you nodding mm-hmm. along and, and the same thing. So, so let's talk about that. Three days in the hospital then, tax season, February. How quick did you go back to work? I didn't go back to the office until the end of March. Okay. But still tax season. Still tax season. And the great company that I worked for, very supportive. And they felt, you know, after I'm home a couple of weeks and I'm starting to adjust again, they brought me some work to try it from home. Okay. It was a slow go. Yeah, for sure. What about, uh, you know, when this happened, you couldn't speak. It sounded like you could move, but couldn't speak. Did speech come back pretty quick? How did that? Yeah, speech came back about three, four in the afternoon. Okay. And how about other deficits? Was there other things? So, you know, right away, I I did kind of notice that my balance was not great. And that's been the way since the stroke happened. You, I can't be on a, let's say you're going to give me a balance beam to walk on. Wouldn't do so good or a straight line or just something. And when I go for some work with a personal trainer, we tend to sometimes work a lot on balance because let's see, the stroke was on, I think my left side. So I just, on one side, I'm better at balance than the other. So that's one of the things that has been a residual. Another residual that I have is I'm more perkier. I better at mornings than I am in the evenings. Okay. I, can read the newspaper in the morning really good. My mornings tend to be good, but by seven, eight o'clock at night, I can't really read. My my attention span is just not great in the evenings. Okay. So it's so kind of a, a long-term fatigue issue with the post-stroke, mm-hmm. and which is not uncommon either. So segue into a couple things. But first, based on what you just said, I assume you try to front load your high uh, concentration work in the morning? Because it sounds yes. like, is this something that's been a change, you know, post-stroke for you for from a business yes. standpoint? Okay. Yep. Yep. Let's talk about that. How does this affect your, your professional life? I mean, you took about whatever, you know, you happened in February, you went back the end of March, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's the immediate thing. Overall, if, other than the, the timing of when you work on projects, how has it affected your professional life? I'm very lucky in that it hasn't affected it greatly, although I type of business that I deal with is the small business. When you bring me up to the bigger boys and stuff like that, too much numbers can can get to me, charts and graphs and stuff like that, you know, interpreting um, key performance indicators and stuff like that. It can be a little rough on the brain. Yep, there. yep. In general, I that part of the brain seems to be working fine. I'm great with clients. I remember a lot of stuff. It's other than than the work stuff, I forget a lot of stuff. Okay. I'm noticing that too. Some memory issues. Some memory issues or something like, you know, you forget, oh, I, I need to grab this and this at the store. Yep. And you get to the store like, what was on the list that I was supposed <laughs> to get? I reminded myself like six times. Yeah. Or I've got that that phobia where you, I go in from one room to go get something in the kitchen. And then along the way, you have to stop to do something else. And you get somewhere else in your way laid because of that. And you don't get to your original thing. That's what I have. So when this happened, this is not the current 
firm that you're working at now that right. you were working at, at the time. So I feel comfortable asking it. How did they react to it? Were they supportive? Were they, yeah. Very supportive, especially when you deal with a firm that's got a you know, got some people in there. Everyone wants to kind of live in, you know, working to give you a hand. Right. It's not like something that was just a two person or you're, you're working for yourself and then you're really kind of screwed if you happen to run into some sort of issue like that. Right. So, okay. So support. And that's so important. I had that with uh, work as well and, and with family and everybody else was supporting, but even with that support and we kind of talked about it a little bit. There's an emotional aspect to this, a mental aspect to, to being a stroke survivor, because I mean, uh, and I say this to people all the time, when you have a stroke, you've got like 10 million things running through your mind at the same time. Like, how did this happen? Will it happen again? Uh, you know, I'm going to die when I feel a twinge in my head next time. I'm not, you know, all these things. And for me, that was a huge part of recovery. Uh, was the emotional and mental aspect a, a big part for you as well? Yes, very much so. And, and what, can you can you kind of explain that to us? Every time I get a headache, yep. you know, it's like, uh-oh, is this causing a problem? Or I get a pain in the back of my head where it was part of the headache problem when I had the stroke. Uh-oh, am I, you know, having an issue? Having a bad day where at night you're just so tired and keeps reminding you yep. of the stroke. I so badly want to learn to play the guitar, Yeah, but I'm finding it's just too difficult for me because of the stroke, Okay, because you have to do four things at once. Yeah, You need your right arm to do the strumming, your left or your right hand, your left hand to do the finding of the chords in the place on the bar. You need to be reading the music is three. And then if you have a metronome going to keep you in your time, yeah. it's just way too hard for me. Okay way too hard. So I'm have given up on that, but it's basically because of the stroke. I can't do those things, which come easy to people. Right. Yeah. Well, not to me. <laughs> Never did. But, uh, <laughs> I have played guitar. That's about as far as I can say, because I'm not good at it, but, uh, uh, I have, I haven't, that was pre-stroke too. I wasn't good at it. So, um, um, but, but that's good. How about other things? Uh, I mean, you're tired in the evening, forgetful, Right. And sometimes you get depression. Yeah. Uh, it just, I guess, goes along sometimes with the territory or somebody else has a stroke. You want, you understand it, especially somebody young. Yep. You know, it's like, you're too young. You're, you're like, why would you want to join my club? Right. You know, yep. it was not the right. It, it's, you just have this empathy for other people that have suffered it and you know what they're going through and you kind of attune to the, you know, the signs of a stroke and items like that. Yep. I think it's really important for us as survivors to, you know, create awareness. I try to talk about this as often as I can when I'm, I'm very fortunate. I get to go out and present a lot. I don't do it as much as I used to, which I really should, but I'll go through the whole acronym of identifying a stroke. And that's, I think for me, and I've talked about my stroke story on this before, and we and I didn't go over it much, but for me, I also got to the hospital fast and, or quickly, I should say. And the reason that I did is because I recognized the signs of a stroke when it started to happen. And I was actually with my brother, which is very fortunate. Oh. 
Yeah, because as soon as it started happening, I looked at him. I said, I'm having a stroke. Get me to the hospital. By the time he got to me, I lost the ability to speak and my whole left side went dead. And so the reason that I knew that I was having it, because there's an acronym out there at the time was called FAST. FAST still exists, but there's a BFAST now. They've added a couple more letters to the acronym. No longer a four-letter acronym, now a six-letter acronym. But we were familiar as a family with this acronym because my grandmother, six months earlier, had had a stroke. And so we all kind of identified the signs. So the acronym to be aware of, and now this is the BFAST, is all the letters stand for something. B is for balance. And you already mentioned your balance uh, is, is off. So if, if somebody just suddenly their balance is just not right, there's a sign that they may be having a stroke. Uh, the E is for eyes. If you're just having time, a bad time focusing, your vision's gone blurry, that's a potentially a sign you've had a stroke or are having a stroke. F is for face. If you look at somebody on one side of their face is drooping, sign they're having a stroke. A is for arms. Ask somebody to put their arms up, and if one of the arms can't stay up and it drops, another sign they're having a stroke. S is for speech. If somebody's speech is slurred, obviously like you and I had, or inability to speak, uh, sign they're having a stroke, and T is the most important thing, and T stands for time, because for both of us, the time was a huge aspect. Time to get to the hospital, ASAP, so time to call 911. That's the biggest tool as a somebody who is with someone else having a stroke, or if you have the ability to call 911 while you're having a stroke, that's the biggest tool you have. So be fast, balance, eyes, face, arms, speech, time, time to call 911. So that's just, a, you need to uh, remember that because I can't remember the percentages, but I think it's somewhere as much as high as 25% of us at some point in time will have a stroke in our lives. Now, Somebody should verify my numbers because that someone needs to audit that because I'm not sure that's the number, um, but it is a significant number. So awareness is important. And I'm, I really appreciate the fact that you're telling your story because that awareness is going to help people. Sorry, I rambled there for a little bit. That was good, though. I got hit, hit several of them. Exactly. Exactly. So let's let's go back because you reached out and, and I appreciate it to me about this because uh, you had been on a webinar where I had been talking about you know mental health awareness, which is so important. And, and hopefully one day you and I can do something like that together. Have you specifically gone out and seeked help on the, the mental aspect of recovery? Yes, very much so. Okay. Uh, talking to counselors. Yes, does help. And in terms of um, one thing that is uh, since the stroke, I have taken 81 milligram aspirin a day. Okay. So that's kind of like I stopped within six months of the Coumadin regimen nice. when I had the stroke. Yep. So they've kept me on the 81 milligrams of aspirin. And, you know, this doctor says, Don't, you know, you read in the paper, you're not supposed to be taking it. I said to my doctor and he says, right. you know what, you want to live? Yeah. Take the pill. Right. <laughs> yep. I'm on Plavix, which is a very, uh, you know, nowhere near the level of Coumadin from a, you know, I don't have to be tested or anything, but I take one Plavix a day. It's, I think, supposed to be somewhere. I could probably go to the, the low dose aspirin as well, but mm -hmm. they, my uh, cardiologist uh, is the one who recommended that. And, and so for you, the other thing I think is important to point out, because one of the questions that we all have is why? And for you, 
probably the shovel in the snow, the dissection. Yep. Obviously, the dissection is, but where did the dissection come from? And probably shovel in the snow. For me, the the why. And for most, if I'll hit fifty percent of strokes, the, you'll never know why. Yeah, it, it just you know they can't discover. Um, for me, I had a hole in my heart uh, called a PFO, and they think that the clot formed on that hole. And rather than getting filtered through my lungs, it went straight up to my head and caused a block. A stroke is basically one of two things: a bleed in the brain or a blockage in the brain. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a blockage in the brain. And when oxygen can't get to the brain, it's uh, it causes damage. So anything that you want to add to the whole, you know, stroke, the story, the recovery, the effects on the business, the awareness, anything else? I have become aware of uh, a couple of organizations. One is obviously uh, the American Stroke Association. Yep. I do give some good charity to them. They, when, you know, you have a stroke or you need some guidance or some whatever type of materials or something, medical supplies and stuff, they're there for you. So that was a, definitely a, a pro to me. Yep. And then um, you would introduce me to a, another organization um, that if you could uh, elaborate a little bit, that would be great. Yep. I will definitely. So after my stroke, and, and again, I assume you did the same thing. You just want to reach out to somebody. You want to find answers. You want to, there's all these questions we have running through their, your heads. And so the organization that I found that really helped me the, the most and American Stroke Association is, is I have given to them. I've supported them. I've been part of them. In fact, we, as an organization that, that helped me the most is called Stroke Survivors Empowering Each Other. It's a, it's a mouthful. Uh, it's sseo.org is the website. When I had my stroke, I just found that they had so much information and so much help. I reached out to them. And when I reached out, the director, the president of the organization, and one of the board of directors uh, members reached out to me and just, we met you know, the three of them and I, and they were just so helpful. And I, I started getting involved. I was ended up a few years later was on the board of directors. Um, I think less than a year after being on the board of directors, I was president of the organization and it's been a great organization. I actually introduced a gentleman to the organization on the board and he's also in the accounting profession and he is now the president. He took over for me about, oh man, I don't even know if it was a year and a half ago. I think that's it. But they're a great organization. You know, I hosted a conference a couple months ago, which I, I got to see you there again, which yeah. was great. Um, and uh, we had them as a, one of our nonprofit sponsors. They were, we gave them a booth so that we could uh, raise awareness for, for stroke awareness. And so CO is a great organization. It's grassroots, but uh, we've actually even teamed up with the America Stroke Association now to, to install some of the programs that we have developed at CO into the American Stroke Association as well. So, so that organization has been great for me. Thank you for asking that. Yep. But I'm trying to get myself more involved in that one. Okay. Well, I will make that introduction or, or between you and David. And it, it's nice to know that there are resources out there. It definitely is. So, so I, I think we need to wrap up, but before we wrap up the stroke side of things, now let's wrap up the stroke side of things. <laughs> so, and then I want to ask you a, a couple final questions, but you know, you just kind of did your wrap. I'm going to do mine again, stroke, just be aware 
that this can happen to anybody. Well, there's a program out there could, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, stroke can happen at any age because it can. 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 I was 44. I was 51. Uh, we've had people that we've supported in CO that are in their teens uh, that have had a stroke. So this is not. And the funny thing was when I went to the hospital, you know, I'm in the, the whatever the neurology floor, whatever floor it was, the acute care floor. I can't remember what it was called, mm -hmm. but they were saying, well, why are you here? You're too young to have a stroke. And they even said that. And that's a, that's something that's not true. You can stroke can happen at any age. So so don't just think I'm 80 years old. That's where I have to think I'm going to have a stroke. It's can happen anytime. Sorry, Rich, you're going to say something. No, that, that's a true statement because my doctor didn't said you were too young, never thought that it would be a stroke symptom. Right. Exactly. And that's, fortunately, at least uh, when I went to the hospital, they did the MRI pretty quick. So they did, because they even said it in the hospital, well, we don't think it's a stroke. I'm going, it was a stroke. I know it was a stroke. And I, and my speech came back while I was in the hospital. So I, I was very fortunate for that. Like yeah. you, we had a similar, similar experience, but I, I told them I was a, it was a stroke. They came in after they read in the MRI and they go, you're right. It was a stroke. I'm going, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, you knew it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, so just be aware of that. Be aware of the be fast, you know, seek it out, do your own research, because if it's not you at some point in time, somebody, you know, is going to be affected by this. And so if you can be prepared, if you can be that, that person, if you could be the hero, like my brother was to me, to get me to the hospital quickly. Um, that is so important because time's the biggest thing you have. So uh, anything you want to add to that, Rich? No, like they say, if you have somebody that knows those, the be fast, yep. my, my friend, Susan, she did. And boy, I'm glad that happened. Yep. We both have heroes. So, yep. all right. So the final couple things, uh, you know, we're talking about this pretty heavy topic here today, <laughs> stroke and all that. Uh, and you mentioned a few things already that you do outside of work, outside of being a stroke survivor that you do for fun, which is, you know, trying the guitar, but being out with people. What are your outside of work passions? Are there other things that, uh, I do. Yep. I actually follow a, a European soccer league, the premier league. Oh, nice. And I, I'm a big Man City fan. Ah, all so right. They were doing well last couple of years. We're having a little trouble this year, but it's still, it's a, it's a nice passion. Soccer keeps my attention. It's a game. It moves fast. There's no really start stops. And in two hours, the games are over and that keeps, it's right in that attention span length for me. Oh, okay. So good. I can't do long three hour movies. Uh, college football is almost three and a half hours. It just, the yeah. mentally, I just can't do that anymore. So this yep, is yep. one of my passions is the following the Premier League. Now, were you doing that before the stroke? No. No, really? No. So it's a new passion. The new passion. All right. And then uh, if anybody wants to see anything more about you or reach out to you, what's the best way to find out more about Rich Kane? Let's see. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. So you can definitely connect up with me there. Or you can pop Randy an email and he'll yep. get me a message me, and I'll give you a jingle back. There you go. I know this this morning. I don't know why, but we were not connected on LinkedIn. So I sent That'd you a great. request this morning. So yes. we'll take a look at that and we'll connect. All right, Rich. Well, I am glad. I am not glad you went through a stroke, but I am glad you were a survivor because you did go through a stroke. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story and helping others. And, and if we can affect Anything in a positive way, obviously, okay. um, it, it's well worth it because I'd rather be uh, 
here talking to you than not being here talking to you. (laughs) I agree. And I'm glad I met you because you give me more inspiration and more resources that didn't know was there. So thank you for all you do for for this topic. You got it, Rich. Appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for for sticking with us today and uh, listening to this very important topic to us, but to everybody. And, And I hope none of you ever have to go through this. But if you do, remember, be fast. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA. Professionalproductions.net